if I walked up to you before church tonight and I said, I, I made this statement. I promise, I promise to give you $100,000 if I inherit a million. What would you think of that statement? Hello? <laughs> well, there is a big F, but I said I promise. Would you would you would you um, take me seriously? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's true. <laughs> I was thinking about the word, the, the two words, I promise. They don't carry the weight that they used to, does it? Okay, we got people fanning. Are we hot tonight? Okay, let's see here. We can, we can fix this problem. Yeah, that's, that is the real one. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. But but the, the phrase, I promise, just doesn't carry the weight that it used to. Uh, why, why, why do you think that is? Too many, people Too many people break the promises. Anybody else? Uh, <clears throat> I have talked to people recently, and, and this, this, just, this just blows my mind, but um, employees are hard to keep. Uh, I found out recently uh, someone uh, that when when you know it was time for lunch break and they went out and never came back. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me! They just went out for lunch and didn't come back. Yeah, I, I, I that just that blows my mind. Um, you know, people. Uh, people people want paychecks, but they don't want jobs. <laughs> am I right? Am I right? Okay. Um, and it is the, it is the um, uh, mentality of many people, the welfare mentality of many people, uh, that I, I deserve this. Why should I have to work for it? Recently, somebody was telling me that on, the, on their job that <clears throat> he told uh, this individual, this new employee, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to do your job. And, and the, the young person didn't like being told what to do and took a swing at him. I, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we, we just live in a world today that it is just it, it's it's different. I read a story recently of uh, Booker T. Washington. Many of you probably have heard of Booker T. Washington, <clears throat> famous um, American. Uh, <clears throat> he describes meeting an ex-slave from Virginia in his book uh, Up from Slavery. This is what he wrote. He says, "I found that this man had made a, a contract with his master." two or three years uh, previous to the uh, Emancipation Proclamation 
to the effect that the slave was permitted to buy himself by paying uh, so much per year for his body. And a while uh, uh, he was, uh, and while he was paying for himself, he was permitted to labor <clears throat> wherever he wanted uh, with no restrictions. Finding that he could secure better wages in Ohio, he went there. When the freedom came, uh, he was still in debt to his master uh, some $300, notwithstanding the, that the Emancipation Proclamation freed him from any obligation to his master. This black man walked the greater portion of the distance excuse me, back where, uh, where his old master lived in Virginia and placed the last dollar with interest in his hands. In talking to me about this, the man told me that he knew that he did not have to pay his debt, but that he had given his word to his master and his word had never been broken. He felt that he could not enjoy his freedom till he had fully fulfilled his promise. <clears throat> As I read this story, I, 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 th I thought, wow, what, what has happened to people in our country today? And yeah, uh, yeah it used to be a, a handshake was, was a man's a bond. In fact, my father-in-law, till the day he died, that's how he did business. Uh, he he didn't care about contracts. He, he when he when you shook his hand and said that you would pay him, then that that was that was or or he would pay you or whatever. Um, you know, we we live in a world today that things like that have changed, and and the sad thing is it has crept into the church. And Christians today. Uh, let, let, me let me rephrase that. Believers today uh, don't keep their words. But the, the great thing is, God's promises are still true. Regardless, if you can trust me to give you $100,000, <laughs> if I inherit a million dollars, um, uh, regardless of that, God's promises are always going to come true. And as I as I was studying for for tonight's message, I I I, I the the impact of God's promises are something that we can hold on to and claim. It is something that, to to borrow a phrase, you can take it to the bank. There is peace and comfort knowing that not only is God in control, but his promises are something that we can hold on to in, in, in difficult times. God has promised his presence. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, his protection, I am thy shield, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. His power uh, I will strengthen thee, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, and his provision, 
is also seen in Isaiah 41.10 when he said, I will help thee. You know, oftentimes we claim that this book is... What, what, are some of the, what are some of the names that we call this? Hello, talk to me. Okay, it's the Word of God. Scripture. What, what are some other? The Book of Books, the Holy Bible. Okay, it is it, Living Word. Any, Cassie, looks like you're about to say something. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is is this, okay, I call it a book, but is this book a book? No, it's really not. It, it, is, it is the Holy Scriptures. It is not a book. A books are written by men. Is this, was this book written by men? No, it wasn't. And we, we will take this, this Word of God and we will claim it to be the Word of God, but do we live our lives accordingly? Do we live our lives trusting that every word between these covers is the Holy Word of God? I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had people say to me, Pastor, I understand, uh, you know, they, they'll come to me with a problem or circumstance or whatever, and I'll say, hey, you know, the Bible says blah, 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 blah. And, and they say, I understand this, what the Bible says, but you don't understand God doesn't love me the way he loves you. Or, well, I understand that's what the Bible says, but I'm going to do what I want to do. Or, I understand that's what the Bible says, but that doesn't apply to me. I, I can't, it, countless times, countless times, I've I've had people say those things to me. Now, are, are those statements true? No, they are not. Every word of God is applicable to every man, woman, and child who's ever walked the face of this earth. Whether you believe it or not doesn't matter. In Second Kings, well, the the title of my message is is uh, uh, promise, promise kept, promise kept. In 2 Kings chapter 7, well, in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we've, we've already talked about it, but uh, <clears throat> the, the, the Syrian army had uh, uh, surrounded the city of Samaria and was slowly choking the life out of the city. And Elijah makes a prediction in uh, chapter 7, verse 1, that we, we read last week, we're going to read again uh, this week, uh, but it says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the word of the Lord. Now, what is he saying there? It basically, again, we talked about this last week, but it's, it's important we, we get a hold of this. Basically, what he's saying is, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't have the Bible, but what I'm about to tell you came straight, is coming straight from God. Tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. Help us, dear God. Help us, dear God, 
to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. See, Elijah's prophecy was met with contempt and doubt. Again, we talked about this last week, so we're not going to get into all that tonight. But the problem is, why, why was Elijah's prophecy met with contempt and doubt? Any, anybody pick that up? Okay. Right. Exactly. They they couldn't see past the problem. Exactly. But there's a key element here, and and I I think the pro, the big problem was they looked at it as though it was Elijah's prophecy and not God's prophecy. See, God's promises always come true. So had they had they truly at least the way I the way I look at it had they truly understood that what Elijah was saying was coming from God I think their attitudes may have been different it may not have been I I, I don't know but God's promises always come true now do we when when we were singing that song earlier. Uh, what was it, 850 or uh, whatever the number was? You know, someday we'll have all the answers. We'll, we'll know everything. But right now, we don't know. And, and we have to live by faith. And there are certain things that we do based on the fact that, you know what, I'm just going to have to trust God for the results. I think that God... Well, I know that God has a sense of humor because I, I, I know that because he, he created humor. He, give, he gave us the ability to laugh, did he not? And have fun and so on and so forth. But I have found that oftentimes when God is getting ready to do a miracle, he uses some of the most abstract people or objects to accomplish his will in the lives of men. And we're going to see that tonight. Number one, his method. Look at verse three and four. So here, here we have the city is, is being choked out. Uh, people are eating their children. And then verse three says, And there were four leper, leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, uh, sit still here, uh, we die also. Now therefore, come and let us uh, fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they shall kill us, we shall but die. Now, I find this somewhat incredibly ironic because what, what, in a very practical sense, in this day and time, what was leprosy? Okay, it was contained. It, it, was, it was a death sentence. 
there was no cure. There was no hope of a cure. And oftentimes, they, they, the leprous uh, people were, were literally referred to as the walking dead. So, in essence, you have four guys who are basically waiting to die, discussing how they want to die. I, I just find that somewhat humorous. Yeah, we can we can go over here and die. We can go over here and die. We can, you know, and I I, I don't know. I just again I I just find it incredibly interesting that God uses four dead men to save a nation or to save a city. Look at verse five, and they rose up in the in the twilight to go in, unto the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no man there. So here, God God uses these four leprous men. They, they're arguing, hey, if we go into the city, we're going to die. We stay here, we're going to die. We go to the Syrians, we're probably going to die. But it, you know what? Who really cares? We're going to die. So they make their way to the Syrian camp, and they find nobody there. Now, what typically would happen in a city environment when a leprous person would come in? Okay, the, 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 the citizens would start yelling unclean, and, they, and most of the time they would pick up rocks and start throwing rocks at them and try and run them off. So can you imagine what's going through their minds right now? Here they're coming into this camp expecting to be killed, for one thing finding nobody there, can you, I, I don't know, but to me, I just kind of get this eerie feeling. Like the tents are still there. Everything's still there. And, but nobody's, nobody's around. Everywhere, everywhere they looked, there was no one. Verse 6, <clears throat> for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear <clears throat> a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even uh, the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us uh, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore, uh, they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses and even the camp as it was, and they fled for their lives. I love God. I love God's ability to do the unexpected. What did God do? See, in chapter 6, we saw that God blinded the Assyrian army, did he not? And, and, and because he blinded the Assyrian army, he was able to basically take them where he wanted them and, 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 and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but now he opens their ears. And what does, what does the Syrian army hear? Horses and chariots. I believe 
what God did was he opened their ears to hear the army that Elijah's servant saw. Do y'all remember that? Okay, in in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 to 17, and when the servant of of the man of God was uh, risen early uh, and gone forth, behold, a host uh, compassed uh, the city both with horses and chariots. And the servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered him, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open, the, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes and the young man uh, of the young man. And he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. I believe, I don't have any proof of this, but I believe that God opened the ears of the Syrians to hear what his servant saw. Now think about this for a second. Here God uses four leprous men to save a city. He opens the ears of these of of this army to hear an uh, to hear the 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 horses and the chariots of the armies of God. Now. In Scripture, what is leprosy always a picture of? Anybody? Sin. sin. Leprosy is always a picture of sin. So, in essence, God is using four sinners to save a nation or to save a city. Look at verse 8 and 9. And when the lepers came to the uh, utmost part of the camp, they went in one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiments and went out and hid it. And it came to pass and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. And when they said one to another, we do not well, uh, this day is is a good is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace if we tarry till the morning light some mischief will come upon us now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household <clears throat> i want to take a little side note here a little side trip for just a minute the, could would it be would it be fair to say that a, a picture of you and I could be used here, being sinners? I, I, I think that's a fair picture that we could conclude with this. Who does God use today to save the lost? Sinners. And what do what what conclusion do these leprous men come to? So what happens is they go into the camp, 
they find all this stuff and they start to do what? First off, they ate until they were probably sick to throw up. And then what did they do? Okay, they, they took the treasures and they went and buried them. And then they went to the next tent and they saw the treasures and they, and they buried them. And, and, and over and over and over, they, they were taking the treasures and hiding them. Now, let me ask you a question. If you, <clears throat> okay, and under a normal circumstance, where would a leper be? Okay, they would be in a leper colony. What, in essence, is a leper colony? Okay, it was a, it was it was a place where the the people who had leprosy went to die. Okay, so I, I have a question for you: If you were a leper and you were in a leper leper colony, and you had two hundred pounds of gold and silver, what good would it do you? <laughs> it would be worthless. But but what are these what are these guys doing? They're hoarding it. And I, and I think that you know just off the top of my head it 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 it, it begs me to 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 the point that I think God is giving us a heart in a picture a look into the heart of men. Because these men, for all intents and purposes, were just waiting to die. Even, even with the food and everything that they were getting, it w- they knew they were dying. But yet they were hoarding all of this stuff. And, and as I was reading this, this thought came to my mind, or, or this verse came to my mind. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Even though they were dying, they had no hope of being healed. They were hoarding treasures. I, again, I find I find that to be very ironic. But I want to concentrate on verse nine. And they said one to another, "We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace." What kind of what kind of lesson can we draw from that today? Anybody? Come on. Are you guys? <clears throat> exactly. We have the good news. We have the news. We hear these guys where they had the good news that would that could save a city, literally thousands of wives, and they were hoarding stuff and they were keeping it to themselves. An incredible picture of the New Testament church today. It is, it, is, it is fair to say that most believers today do not share the good news with the people around them. We hoard it, do we not? And here these guys, they, 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 what, what an incredible picture of the gospel here. They, 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 <clears throat> they realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have... We have the very thing that could save the lives of literally thousands of people. And we're sitting here gorging ourselves on the good food 
and hiding the treasures, shame on us. Pastor Stevens, my pastor of 20 years, used to say he has never seen a U-Haul pulling, or excuse me, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You know, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. Now, there is, there is something that we can take to heaven. Anybody tell me what that something is? Do you, do you know? The, do you know the, does he know? He, he raised his hand. I didn't know if he, if he knew. Okay, okay. Well, let me rephrase that. There's two things we're going to take to heaven. Because the <laughs> Word of God. I didn't think about that one, okay? You are definitely right, buddy. Yeah, Jesus is the Word, okay? But, but what one thing can we take with us to heaven? Okay, yes, ma'am. Well, yeah, but that's the yeah, that's kind of a given. Brandon? No, no. Well, yeah, I guess we're going to take those two. Man, you guys have come some, with some good ones. Okay, you are mostly right. We can take our children to heaven. More, more specifically, more specifically, we can take others to heaven. That is the only thing that we can take to heaven in a physical sense. Think about that for a second. Now, as parents, oftentimes we, we want to think in the context of our children, but Fanny Crosby lived sharing the gospel with anyone that would listen. In 1869, she penned the words to rescue the perishing. When asked about the song, she explained it was written following a personal experience at the New York City uh, uh, Bowery Mission. She went, to, went on to explain that she would go one night a week to talk to her boys. One night while speaking to them, she kept <clears throat> having the thought that there was a, a boy present who had wandered away from his mother and must be rescued that night or he would be eternally lost. She made plea to each boy that was there that night. At the end of the service, one of the young men came forward and said, Did you mean me, Miss Crosby? I promised my mother to meet her in heaven, but as I am now living, that will be impossible. She prayed with, with him and led him to, to Jesus Christ. As they finished, she, uh, he said, Now I am ready to meet my mother in heaven, for I have found God. See, the one thing that we can take to heaven is other people. But it's the very thing that we hoard oftentimes. And here we see in this, in this incredible picture that God's given us this, this unlikely uh, method of using uh, four leprous men to save a city. Four sinners. Four people that, for all intents and purposes, were cast-offs to save a city. 
Look at verse 10. Well, point number two, the messenger. Uh, Verse 10. So they came uh, and called unto the porter of the city, and they told him, uh, and they told them, uh, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man uh, there, neither voice of men, but horses tied, and asses tied, and tents that were... And he called the porter, uh, and and they uh, told it to the king's house within. Now, <clears throat> again, I find I find this interesting because what are the four men? The four men are leprous, and here they come to the porter of the gate. And number one, it, it to me, it's amazing the porter let him get anywhere near him to be able to communicate. Well, but still, you know, it would it would almost have to be a yelling situation. But here they are. They come to the city. Now, how had these men been treated by the people in the city? Not good. Very poorly. But yet, they came. God has chosen sinners to pass on the incredible message. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Number three, the message rejected. The message rejected. Look at verse 12. And the king arose in the night and said unto a servant, I will not show you what the Syrians have done unto us, <clears throat> they know that we will be hungry. Therefore, they are gone out of the camp uh, to hide themselves in the field, saying, uh, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get uh, into the city. So basically what the king says is, wait a minute, I reject the fact that the word of God is correct. Because what had happened just probably less than 12 hours earlier, Elisha had given him the prophecy that the city would be back to normal by this time tomorrow. And in the middle of the night, his servant comes to him and says, hey, there's four leprous men that have been out to the camp. This is what they saw. And the king does not believe the message. And we we have a tendency, at least I do, to sit and criticize the king for being an idiot. Wait a minute. Elisha had told you that this was going to happen. But how often do we reject the Word of God? How often do we say, okay, well that applies to so-and-so, but that doesn't apply to me. The message was rejected. The Bible tells us of two men in the New Testament. We we call them the rich man and Lazarus. <clears throat> they both die, and the rich man goes to hell, and Lazarus Lazarus goes to heaven. And in Luke chapter sixteen, verse twenty-three, it says, "And and in hell he lifted up his eyes, bring, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus." 
in his bosom. And the, the rich man started to plead and say, God, please allow Lazarus to go back and witness and, and tell my five brothers because <clears throat> I don't want them to come to this place. And I'm here to tell you this tonight there are people in hell crying out to God saying, please send someone to tell my family. And the conversation goes on and, and Lazarus makes the, or, or the, the rich man makes a statement, you know, hey, if, if they would see one raised from the dead, then they will believe. And in Luke chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, it says, and, and he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, unto him if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rose from the dead. What an incredible indictment on mankind. And the reality is this, we have, we have people living all around us who are doubting the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We live in a society, in California, uh, I, I don't know if I told you this or not, but in California they are presenting a bill before the state senate and, and, and house that is condemning Christianity for the spike in suicides among the LBGTQ, F, FYZ and, uh, people. I always get that wrong. But they're blaming us for that. Why? Well, they, they want somebody to blame, but they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The message rejected. But then point number four, the promise is kept. Verse 13. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, uh, I, I pray thee, five of the horses uh, <clears throat> that remain, which are left. There, it's pretty bad when there's only five horses left. Okay, They've been chowing down on the horses. Um, behold, uh, they are as all of the multitude of Israel that are, uh, that are left in it. Uh, behold, I say, uh, they are even as all the multitude of Israel that are consumed and let us send and see. <clears throat> and they took, therefore, two chariot horses and, and the kings sent after the, hor uh, the host of the Syrians saying, go and see. And they went after uh, uh, them un unto the Jordan and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had take, uh, had cast aside uh, in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and spoiled the tents and the, uh, of, of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. The first promise that was kept was God's, God's prophecy had, had been fulfilled. The price of food had come down and uh, the city was getting back to normal. <clears throat> the second prophecy was fulfilled in verses 17 uh, to 20. And, and 
uh, we don't need to read it. Basically, uh, the the man that Elijah said in verse two that would would see the prophecy fulfilled, but not taste of it, uh, was trampled to death in the city gate by the people. Uh, again, fulfilling the the prophecy of Elijah. Unbelievers today are looking at the church. Unbelievers today are looking at the church and people in the church to see a difference. And my, I guess my challenge to you in all of this is, is really, really simple. Are you making a difference in the, in the lives of people around you? These four, these four leprous men, God used in a miraculous way. But he could use each and every one of us in the same way. All we have to do is be willing to go. Psalm chapter 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Where's your hope this evening? Is your hope in the things of this world? I hope not. I hope that you're that you are trusting in an almighty, all-powerful God that can and will work in your life. What an incredible picture of using four sinners to accomplish the impossible. And that's exactly what he's called the church to do. All we need to do is be willing to share. The method and the messengers God uses sometimes are uh, unique or unexpected, to say the least, are they not? The selfishness and the greed of the of the four lepers was was very evident for a small for for a little while. But I believe the most important lesson is that we need to learn how to trust the Word of God in our lives. This whole this whole incident, this whole thing, uh, chapter six and chapter seven, every bit of it is based on the fact that the people did not believe the Word of God. And again, I want to challenge you. Trust the Word of God with everything. There's nothing in your life that God cannot provide for. Nothing. And then secondly, we need to be faithful in our witness. It is our responsibility to share the gospel. God has chosen to use sinners to propagate the good news. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives.